Hebrews chapter 13, starting with verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison, as those in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. Lord God, as we have read your word this morning, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, you would help us to hear the, the commands in Scripture this morning, that you would help us to see the ways that we are to to obey that command, and Lord, help us to understand that you are with us every step of the way. And Lord, keep us on that straight path, away from teachings that are wrong and apart from your will. Lord, would you speak to people today that, that need to hear you on, on whatever level they're coming this morning, Lord, whether it be for encouragement in their faith. Lord, today maybe they need to come to know you for the first time. I pray that you would call us all to repentance today. In your most holy name, amen. Guys, it's good to be here as we've read Hebrews 13 this morning. I think it's interesting that there is a command that is given right off the bat. Um, how many of you guys like commands given to you right off the bat? I don't think most of us, if we were to wake up right in the mornings, we want someone telling us what to do right in the morning. We, we like a little bit of downtime before we communicate with people. We I know for me personally, I like a, at least a cup of coffee down before I communicate with people. But the thing is, is that we get a command in Scripture as to how we are to live our lives. And no doubt many of us in here, we've at one time or another, we've kind of had the question in our heads, what next? What's the plan? Lord, what is it that you have in store for me? What is the plan you have for me? And, and you, we see here a plan that is laid out in Scripture when your pastor or when your, your, your people of faith come to you and they say, hey, you need to read your Bible, it's not just so that you can say you read your Bible. The Bible is the map that we need in our lives. It is the, it is the plan. And this morning we see that first command, and I want everybody to say command. All right, you can say it a little louder than that. Say command. We have a command here. I know we don't like commands, but if you want to know the plan of God for your life or for the life of the church or for the life of our nation for that matter, that first verse really lays it out for us. Let's look at it again. 
let brotherly love continue. Now the writer here, he's writing to some people that he knew, right? The people that he's writing to them, he, he, he knows something about them. He at least assumed that they knew what brotherly love was and that they had had it at one time if they weren't already living it at that time. But he says, let this brotherly love continue. That This is something I believe that when we look at the United States of America today, even when we look at the churches in the United States of America today, there is a lack of brotherly love. And this is a really tough time for churches, isn't it? To be so spread out. Our, our churches kind of split down the middle on Sundays, every Sunday, and that's hard. You know, uh, I'm, I'm hoping to, to, we'll be able to rearrange and to do some new stuff here in the next month or so. We're going to try to, uh, to get back to some amount of normalcy. But, um, you know, we, we do as, as well. We want to keep people safe and have that feeling of safeness, at least, when they come into our, our facilities here. But the thing is, is what, how is it that a church makes it through a pandemic? How is it that you as a believer in Jesus Christ make it in a pandemic? And the way is given here. We see the map. And it says to continue in brotherly love. The, the United States of America is in dire straits today because they are not continuing in brotherly love. We as the United States of America are not loving each other as brothers. We're loving each other as as, as, I don't know, as very selfish people. It's us first. What do you mean, Daniel? What do you mean it's us first? Well, I want you to understand that in, in America today, it seems like we are split right down the middle when it comes to politics. You guys notice that? Anybody heard any negative polit political talk lately? <laughs> I'm sure you have. Yeah, negative about the president or negative about Congress or negative about whoever, our governor, we hear all this negative talk in our, in our society. What I'm seeing in America today is that, is that people can't just be Democrat, Republican, and then still get along. No, now we've got to draw lines. And if you're, a, if you're a conservative, if you're a liberal, we can't be friends. Is that not what we're seeing in America today? And I understand we're going to have differences. And we live in a very big nation, and there's a lot of opinions out there. All kinds of opinions in the world today. But as believers in Jesus Christ, we're not commanded to base our relationships with other people based on opinions alone. He says here to do what? To let brotherly love continue. The way that our church will continue to proclaim the gospel to our community and to the world is if we continue in brotherly love. America is, is being a terrible example right now because we can't, we can't abide in brotherly love right now. Or at least we're not. And so the call today for, for believers around the world, but the call today for us in this church, in this place, is that we need to continue in brotherly love. Now I think about our church, and I think we're, we're a pretty loving church. I feel like we are. I feel like brotherly love is practiced here. And we see that in our, in our, our ministries and our celebrations and everything that we do as a church body. There's brotherly love here. And so the call to us today is to continue doing that. Now that may mean we have to do it in new ways, right? Oh, we got a pandemic now, so we got to find out new ways to love each other. We, we have to find out new ways to reach out to each other. The writer here, he, he knew or he at least assumed that this idea of brotherly love was something the people knew about, and he says continue in it. So we must continue in brotherly love in times like this. You and I have to just say, you know what? I'm not going to base how I treat people on how they vote. I'm not going to base how I treat people on what 
sports team they like. I'm not going to base how I treat people, whether they're a Christian or not, or, or however they choose to live their life. I'm just going to love people with brotherly love because that's what my command is. My command is to love them in such a way. And when you think about it, and we get to it here in just a moment, who is the ultimate example of brotherly love that we know? It's Jesus, right? Jesus is that ultimate. He, do you realize that Jesus died for every person for their salvation? You know, that's people who are Democrat and Republican. How many of us can say that we're friends with Democrats and Republicans? Don't answer, because some of y'all can. I, can, I, I, I try. <laughs> I'm all, I've always just been kind of the guy right there in the middle, so I'm just kind of like, yeah, I see that, and I see that, and then, and then usually what ends up, neither side likes you. That's kind of how it ends up. But the thing is, is that we must continue in brotherly love. Jesus died for people that had different uh, viewpoints on the world. He died for racists. Do you realize that Jesus Christ died for Nazis as well? That he died for people that, uh, you know, are very outspoken politically, very outspoken socially. He died for people that believe in masks and people that don't believe in masks. He died for Baptists and he died for Pentecostals and he died for uh, all, the, all the different religions in the world. Like his message is relevant to every person who's ever breathed. And so our ultimate example, we have a command here. What's the example? Our example is Jesus. If we are to continue in brotherly love, how do we do that? You do it by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, he goes on here and he talks about these different, you know, he, he makes a point to, to mention brotherly love. And I think we all understand that Greek has a lot of words for love. You've got the eros love. Which eros was basically like your, your marriage love, right? There's kids here today. But you have your erotic love, your, your love between a man and a woman. It's, it's different than, than say, the, the, the other love, the, the storge love. That, that love there was this love that's between family. How many of y'all have good family relationships? You got like aunts, uncles, grandparents that you just love. And, and let's say your grandma was to come up and slap you upside the head. You're still going to love grandma, right? There, it's a different type of love. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> Josh is shaking his head over here, so... But I also notice your grandma's not here today, so that's probably, that's probably, that's good. But you have that family love, you know, and, I, and then you get into uh, agape love, which a lot of people, they kind of say, well, you know, that's the one they focus on. Everybody knows the word agape. But really, when you think of agape love, I don't want you to think about your holy love to mankind. Agape love is God's love to us, Okay. When you think of that type of love, it's God's love to us. This, this idea of Christ coming and dying for our sins, this idea that, that God created us and he loves us and he wants to redeem us, that's these, this agape love. But the love we're talking about here is this idea of, of Philadelphia, right? Everybody knows what Philadelphia is. It's, it's not the pirates. It's not just a city in the United States of America, but, but it's this idea that this brotherly love. And what he tells us here is we need to continue in a brotherly love. Now, that's, that's significant because we're not talking about family. We're not talking about your significant other. We're not talking about your husband, your wife. What we're talking about here is this idea that you are loving people who may not be like you. Brotherly love. That, that idea, when you think of brotherly love, think of, think of a, a, a soldier going to war and giving his life for his nation. Who, who does that soldier die for? He dies for anybody that's an American, right? Uh, honestly, it, when it comes to America, a lot of our soldiers have died for people from other nations. 
so that democracy may live, so that people may have the right to, to have a free life. And so you see this idea is given within the church to believers. He says, continue in this type of love, this brotherly love. And all this other love can be great within families and churches, and you can have this type of love. And I think even in, sometimes when it comes in, into marriage, you know, you need that, that brotherly love sometimes too, because sometimes, man, I don't know, Joni's not in here right now, so I can say it, but sometimes we just don't see eye to eye on stuff. I'm a guy, she's a gal, and we see things differently. And so we just have to love each other for who we are and go on. And so we are to love people in a brotherly way. When you look there, it says, you know, the, the, one of the most mysterious verses in Scripture to me is, is verse 2. When you look at verse 2, he says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some of us have entertained angels unawares. That verse, how many of y'all, have y'all heard that verse before? And it's just like, people have always told me, you need to treat people right because they may be an angel. But really, when you're reading this verse and going back to this idea of what brotherly love is, okay? Brotherly love is love to people that you may not necessarily sit down and have Sunday dinner with. That may not be people that you have the same opinions on things with. But he goes on and he, he kind of, he, he goes a little bit deeper and he says, do not neglect to show hospitality. The, the Greek word that we see here for hospitality literally means love for strangers, it's not just uh, this idea of, well, I'm just going to be hospitable, you know. Now, Marshall, me and Marshall are good buddies, and it would be nothing for me to say, hey, Marshall, won't you come over to the house, and I'm going to fix you a bologna sandwich. And we're going to sit, and we're going to talk. Marshall would probably come over if I asked him. Would you, Marshall? Okay, all right. <laughs> Boy, I put myself out there for a minute. <laughs> Thanks for coming over, by the way. But, but if I was to ask Marshall, we're friends that's easy for me to do. Say, Marshall, come over and just hang out. That would be easy. It wouldn't be a hard thing to do. That's all we're talking about here. He's talking about entertaining strangers. That We need to have a love that it doesn't matter if you know them or not, you're showing this, this type of love to them. We need to, to have that type of love in our churches and in our, in our own individual lives. This idea of hospitality, I mean, it's love for strangers. Our church ought to be known for loving strangers. And I think we, we do a pretty good job. We get a lot of visitors that, you know, got come, and some become part, and that's, it's, it's always great. But when you're talking about this idea of love for strangers, we, we need to make it a part of who we are. That that's an important part of who we are. That we are, we're not just the people who are going out here and just saying, well, you know what, since we're Baptists, then we are, insert political party name. That's not who we are. It's great that we can vote, and it's great that we can have opinions on politics, but overall, that's not who we are. We are people who are called to love. And even though politics are important, I'm so glad that I can vote in this nation. I'm so glad that I can have a political voice. I'm not saying don't be political, but here's what I am saying. Don't be political. <laughs> be, be a person who loves. You see what I'm saying? It's different. We're not just living by, by politics and politics alone. The answer, the roadmap that you guys have read this morning, it's right there in front of us. To, to never stop in showing brotherly love, to not neglect anyone, to be hospitable to all people. And it's interesting that he says you may be entertaining angels. Now, how many of you have ever felt like you had an encounter with someone and you think they might have been an angel? 
I think one of the first times I ever had it that I can, it's at least one of the ones that I, I remember frequently. Um, when I was in college, I was taking a sociology class, and I had to go to uh, the Jesus House, which is like a, a, a kitchen in Oklahoma City where they feed the homeless. And so my job uh, I was tasked with was to go and to work with homeless people and then to write a paper about it. So I was kind of excited about this. You know, it's going to be neat to work with people, to help some people. And so I show up at the Jesus house like at 8 o'clock in the morning, like a job. You know, I had a shift. I had to work there. And so I show up at the Jesus house, and I'm thinking, man, what, who am I going to run into today? What kind of people am I going to talk to? I, I was really kind of thinking, you know, in my head I kind of had ideas, scenarios that were going to play out. And I show up, and there was this, uh, this, this rough old gal who was working in the kitchen, and she says, we just got 300 pounds of undeveined shrimp from from New Orleans. We need you to devein all that shrimp. I'm like, uh, uh, wait, what? What? I, 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 no, I'm not in the culinary class. I'm, I'm in the you know the the social work classes. That's that's yeah. We need this shrimp deveined. Have you ever deveined shrimp before? It's disgusting. Much less 300 pounds of shrimp that I'm pretty sure wasn't even still edible because it came all the way from New Orleans. So I spend six hours deveining shrimp, taking everything out and doing all this. I think, and so I'm like, man, how am I going to write a paper about this? This is not social work. You know, I understand it is social work, but for my purposes, I was really needing to speak with people as to, to what it's like to be living in a situation where you're homeless. Well, being the guy that I am, I deveined 300 pounds of shrimp by myself in a kitchen in the heat, and it smelled. And I tried to get the stench off my hands, and when my shift was over, I'm walking out the door, and here comes a guy, a homeless guy. I guess he was homeless. I didn't know at the time. I come to find out he was. But he's coming up to me, and I, I'm like, okay, well, maybe this is the guy I'll write about. I've got to talk with someone before I leave out of here. So I'm walking, and I, I go up to him. I introduce myself to him. And he says, well, nice to meet you. He says, my name is the prophet Samuel. <laughs> well, nice to meet you, sir. I love your work in the Old Testament, prophet Samuel. He was the prophet Samuel. I knew immediately there was some stuff. It just wasn't right there. You know, I, he's, he, so this is probably a good person to talk to. And I get to talking to him, and but there were moments of clarity in this man's life. In his, in his mental state, there were still moments of clarity. And I, I, I asked him, I said, how is it to, to be homeless? And he says, it's, it's great. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, how's that great? And he says, no, really, it's great. He says, I, I've been blessed by God. I, I, I've lived a life that God has blessed me with. God is with me all the time. And I said, well, how do you approach being homeless every single morning when you wake up under an, like an underpass or whatever? He says, you know what? He says, I just try to love people because God loves me. I wrote a paper about that, and then I got an A on it, and I was happy. Slid through with one guy. I was supposed to talk with several people. I talked with one guy. But the thing is, is that when I talk about the, the, the prophet Samuel, he sticks out to me today. And I, I wonder sometimes, was this guy actually a homeless guy, or was it God trying to teach Daniel a lesson with an angel? I don't know. One of these days, I'm sure I'll find out when I meet the prophet Samuel. <laughs> it may be like one of those situations I walk up to heaven and some angel walks up and he's like, boom, got you, sucker. You know, I, 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 I fooled you. I made you think I was a homeless guy. But the thing is, is that when we're looking here, we're not commanded just to judge people. We're not commanded to go out here and to, to make uh, 
uh, presuppositions about people. We just need to love them with brotherly love. And it's not always people that we know. Sometimes it's people we don't know. Sometimes it's people we don't even get along with. Do you believe this, that in our church, sometimes people don't get along? (laughs) It happens. People have differences of opinion. People let each other down or whatever. People get jealous of each other. These happen. This happens. This is called humanity. We do that, right? But the thing is, is we're commanded to continue in brotherly love at all times. Whether someone's offended you or not. Whether someone's came against you or not. You continue to love them. And I think we clearly see that that's the problem in America today. Is People are just, they're really quick just to write people off. And I see that all the time. People say, well, if someone, someone comes against you or someone, you know, hurts you, then just write them off. You don't need that negativity in your life. But the thing is, is I, I, we're not called to that. We're called to love people unconditionally. We're called to, to show brotherly love to people at all times to continue in that. If you've ever loved people, you need to continue in that. If you've not loved people, you need to start and then continue in it. We're continued in our lives. Because of the love of others. How many of you have ever been loved by someone unconditionally? Maybe it was someone in, in church or maybe it was a family member. They just loved you and loved you even though you didn't deserve it. They truly imitated the love of Christ Jesus. And this needs to be in, in all of our relationships. When you're reading through here, we see that we need to love people, of, of course, strangers. As we've been talking about, we need to have a love for strangers. We also need to love people who are in prison People in bondage. I know a lot of us, we, we tend to think, well, people in prison are in prison because they deserve to be there. Okay, yep, I agree with that. Does not mean we should not love them. And we do that to a lot of people. Maybe, maybe prison is not someone you've had, a, people in prison, that's not something you've had a lot of experience with or exposure to. But people in your life who are living with the consequences of the decisions they've made, you still need to love them. People who are living in bondage. And bondage could be a lot of things, could it not? Our community, I see a lot of people in, in my job at the health and wellness. I, I see a lot of people who are held bondage by addiction. And it can be real quick just to say, well, that's what you get. That's what you get for, for drinking too much. That's what you get for, for using methamphetamine. That's what you get. We're not called to that. We're called just to love them. We're called to, to, to look to them and say, hey, I've got a better way to live your life and to continue in brotherly love. And, and, but when it comes to prison, I've got a brother in Christ. He, he goes religiously every week to a prison and preaches the gospel. Every week, week in, week out, he goes to the prison and preaches. Isn't that a wonderful ministry? I wonder how many people have come to know the Lord since he's been there. I, I've done some prison ministry in my time as well. And, uh, you know, I, I remember... I met a guy, kind of like Prophet Samuel. He's a prisoner. I probably could have just said, you know what, he's a prisoner. Probably he killed someone or hurt someone or treated someone badly. He deserves to be here. But the man had, while in prison, had given his life to Christ. Now, I know some of you are like, well, he gave his life to Christ so he can get out sooner. Well, maybe. (laughs) Who knows? But the thing is, is that I'm not called to make those types of judgment calls on people. You get what you deserve. No, I'm called just to love them. As a believer in Jesus, what does that mean to love? That means to tell them who Jesus is. This guy, I didn't have to tell him who Jesus is, but you know what he's doing while he was in prison? 
He was telling other people about Jesus. I think that's beautiful. Someone somewhere along his prison time had told him about Jesus. He accepted Christ, and now he's telling other people about Christ. All kinds of prisons in this world. Ever been to a nursing home? One of the first places I've ever preached or sang, I had a captive audience. No one got up one time. <laughs> but you know, those people, they hurt. Nursing home, that's a, that's a tough place. And so we're, we're called to that type of love. Even people we don't know, even people we may think are, are gross or people that are disgusting or people that have different political views or people that go to different churches or people that are from other cities or other countries. We're called to this type of love in which we just love them anyways. People in bondage. Marriage. I had a preacher one time say it's interesting that he talks about prison and then right after that he talks about marriage. He says it's really just one thing he's talking about here. I don't know if that guy's still married or not. I'm thinking he probably not. That was his theology. But it's interesting. He talks about being in prison. Then he talks about marriage. And, and really in marriage, I think a lot of times in marriage we think, well, it's all about like eros love, right? It's this, this passionate love. And that's part of marriage. It's a beautiful part of marriage. But in marriage even, you need to love each other unconditionally, right? Sometimes, Joni and I, we just have to love each other, and, and we can't, we're, we're, we may be different in the way that we view things because I'm a male, she's a female. We just look at things differently, but we have to love each other in that way. Not just, it's not all about physicality. It's not about puppy dog love. It's, it's a decision that I'm going to love this person because they deserve to be loved. They're someone who is valuable in the sight of God, and so I'm just going to love them. And if you've been married for any amount of time, you'll say, yep, sometimes marriage is that. I'm just going to love them because I love them. It's not all about feeling. Ooh, we're so in love. There's some high schoolers sitting back there, and they, they have these puppy dog loves that they go through sometimes. I'm so in love. It's, gotta, it's better go deeper than that because that puppy dog love fades real quick. That dog starts running around town, you know. <laughs> you, need, you need to be a person who, in your relationships, that you just love people because you love people. You young people at the same, same time, and Josh will tell you this, man, as school kicks back on, hopefully, we start doing some outreaches trying to, you know, reach those kids who don't go to church. Don't just pick the kids that you get along with or the kids that you're on the same sports team with, or, or the, the kids that you got the same classes with, pick the kids who need Jesus. That's how we practice brotherly love. You adults, you're not getting off either. There's people in our community that need to be hearing the gospel, but they're not because we're not inviting them. We're not going and loving them enough to tell them about who Christ is. And this type of love, it's, it's to be seen in the way we treat strangers. It's to be seen in, the, in, in prisons and in places of bondage, it's to be seen in our marriages. But then he goes in, and, he, and I, I thought it's interesting, because I think this applies, I guess, to humanity throughout history. He says, do not love money. How many of y'all love money? Nobody's going to raise their hand. No, I do not love money. If I, if I was to open up uh, $200,000 in cash and just throw it up in the air right here, how many of y'all would jump over the pews and... Break your neighbor's neck to get to it, right? I hope you wouldn't, but we, you see what I'm saying? I think we would try to get some of that money if we could. Everybody's really quick to get these stimulus packages from the government, right? 
I don't know how many of us actually need them, but people are going to get them, right? Some people do need them. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's a lot of people, they just, if they can get money, they're going to get it. That's a love of money, is it not? It's a love of money. If, if, if people were just going to give us free money, sure, we're going to take it. Why wouldn't we? And that starts early on. When you, when you were a kid and you go to church, you, you get free cookies and Kool-Aid, right? I mean, you went for that reason, probably. That was, that was something. It's, it's, there's something innate within us, something within our, within our being that we just we want. And he says, don't be consumed with that type of love. And he, he talks about money, probably because that's the group he was talking to. They loved money. Don't love money. Don't love money. Don't, don't be consumed with that. He says, but be content with what you have. Even that, you, this idea of brotherly love, you're just loving where God has placed you. You're just loving what God has done in your life. Be content. Just don't be always looking for the next, the next thrill in life or the next new thing. Because we can, we, we can clearly see, I think, as we're looking through here, this is exactly what the devil's doing against the world today. The devil's plan is to hit every one of these areas that God says to love in. Let's just recap just for a moment here. When you think about it, is, is, is the devil, is he sowing disunity within our world today? Well, he is through fear. And, and get, get me, guys. I, I, don't, I think this, this virus is real. My personal opinion, I think it's real. But I believe not just the politicians, but I believe the devil himself is actually using fear to keep people apart. Should we distance? Yeah, I'm not saying don't distance. I'm not saying don't wear your mask. I'm not saying these types of things. It's probably a good idea. You know, as much as I believe God has called us not to live in fear, I also believe he's called us to use our minds. I don't think we should just go around coughing each other's faces and just saying, I will be okay. But as we're going as a believer into this world, I can see that there's a plan. Understand that this world Who's, who does the battle belong to in this world? What does Scripture teach us? Who does the battle belong to? Well, in the Old Testament we read where the battle belongs to the Lord. And then we're also taught in the New Testament that we're not battling against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual things. In other words, there's something bigger going on here. It's not just a black and white issue. It's not just social issues. It's not just politics. This is the only thing that's going on in our world today. There's a bigger battle going on, a spiritual battle even. And our job as believers, the only way we can combat that is by loving people. As Christ loved his church, may we love each other. May we love each other with that type of mentality. When you're reading through here, guys, I mean, it's just, it's, I see it. The devil, he, he's attacking the world and how we get along. He's attacking people with bondage. He's attacking marriages, is he not? Marriages are under attack today. A lot of us were like, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be married. And not just that, but he's also attacking how we define marriage. He's also attacking what marriage means, what the boundaries are in marriage. You know, he, he tells us in here to, to have a, an undefiled bed. We, yeah, we live in a world today where it's just like, it's okay just to do whatever, even while you're married. That's a lie. That's a lie. We are to continue in what? Everybody say brotherly love. <laughs> That's what we're to continue in is brotherly love. Even within our, our families, even in everything that we do, it's all about brotherly love. The way that we view people that may be dealing with the consequences of their lives, we love them anyways. Even with people who are, who are out here and they're just, 
they're just doing what they want, don't judge them. Just love them. Show them who they are. And who they are is they are a beloved creature of God. That even though we don't deserve it, He wants to redeem us. The beauty in God is not that He just created a beautiful world. The beauty in God is that He wants to redeem what we've messed up. He wants to redeem what we've messed up. He wants to set us free from the sins that so easily entangle us. When you get into verse 7 and 8, I think it's cool because he's talking about this idea. He says, remember your leaders. How many of you guys have ever had someone in your life that just really pointed you in the right direction and pushed you to know Jesus more? We need to remember them. You need to love them too. Check on your pastors every now and then. I'm not just saying that because I'm here, but it's hard right now being a pastor. You know how hard it is not seeing people, not talking with people? I can't go to the hospital to visit them, things like that. This is a new phase as a pastor. As a church, we ought to be loving our pastors. We ought to be loving the people that are in leadership within our church because they're the ones that taught us what it is to follow Christ. I need to do the same for those that have led me along the way, who've, who've been my mentors. He talks about people, but we often we often know that people are not the, the, the focus of faith. Who's the focus of our faith? What's well, Christ Jesus, right? And, and you get into that, that very next verse. He talks about remembering these people who have taught you the truth, and then he gets into talking about this man, this God, 100 percent man, 100 percent God, this person, Jesus. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I've heard that verse a million times. Have you, have you heard it a bunch in your life, in your Christian walk? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know, a lot of times what we do, we, we kind of gloss over like these, these pivotal moments in Scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to go eat. It's lunchtime, Daniel. I know it's lunchtime. I'm hungry too. But look at those words. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. As we're looking about this command to love, this command of where to love at, then we're reminded of who Jesus is. We're reminded of Christ who went to the cross. That Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't just like section people out? Well, I'm only going to die for certain people. Again, who did Jesus die for? He died for everyone. And, and if, he was this, if he was that way then, then guess what? Today he is exactly the same. And tomorrow he will be exactly the same. And the day after that, and the day after that, and for all eternity, God will, God will show that his son is always the same. And that's, that's, that's important for us as believers to understand, well, how, how long do we love people? How many times do I forgive I had some people come to Jesus at one time in Scripture, and they said, how, how, sh- how often should I forgive someone? Seven times? That was customary back then. You, you forgive somebody seven times, and after that, well, they're on their own. We went from forgiving people culturally seven times to now we're just like, well, someone harms you, then just cut them off. You don't need that negativity. But Jesus told people, he said to forgive them 70 times seven. And really what he's saying, I, I think... This makes sense because people didn't really know math back then. I think Jesus was just saying, basically, forgive. You don't count. Seventy times seven is a really large number. 
Don't worry about counting. Don't worry about counting. I've known people that say, well, I only forgive people 70 times 7. Because that's what Jesus said. Yeah, but in context, it's not what he's saying at all. When you get even into these latter letters, and understand that these, these epistles and these, these latter letters here in the, in, in the end of the, the New Testament, they're, they're written under inspiration of God. What we see here is that let brotherly love continue. You can't let brotherly love continue if you've written people off. You can't let brotherly love continue if you just said, you know what, I, we just can't get along, I'm just not going to talk to them anymore. I'm not saying you've got to be good friends with them, but all I am saying is you need to love them. You need to love them. And that speaks to my heart today, too. I'm not up here proclaiming it because I'm perfect in what I do. I'm not. I've had people come against me. I've had people hurt my feelings. i got a guy right now that I'm, I'm trying to help. And, um, you know, he, uh, he doesn't want help a lot of the times, but until he needs it. <laughs> There's a lot of times when he needs it. You know, it's like 2.30 in the morning. He's like, man, I need someone to pray with. And I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to sleep. But I got, I got to love the guy. I got to love him, regardless. I got to love him because, not because I'm good enough and not because I'm, I'm an awesome person. I have got to love him because my command in Scripture is that I am to continue in brotherly love. Is everybody catching that this morning? How a church survives, how you survive in, 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 in your own individual pandemics that you're living through as a Christian, you need to continue just loving people. Quit, quit stoking the fire of politics within our nation today. Quit stoking the fire of, of debates on medical stuff. We, we have a whole lot of medical professionals in America today, apparently. And they all know and understand deeply the effects of the pandemic. The truth of the matter is, is no one knows anything about this. And I've kind of concluded no one really knows. So I'm just going to love people. Not because I'm smart or had some aha moment. It's because Scripture teaches me that. I'm just going to love people. People are going to let you down. People are going to make you mad. People are going to annoy you. But we're not called to live based on what we feel. We're, we're called to live our life based in love. Well, as we kind of wrap this up, guys, I think what's interesting is we see a beauty at the very end here. Verse 9, he says, Do not, do not be led astray by diverse and strange teachings. We get this plan. Guys, uh, here's what you need to do. You need to love. And you need to love all types of people. And you need to love people within your family. And you need to not have a love of money. And You need to have a pure love. You need to, to have a love that's based on what your, your, your teachers and your preachers have taught you. You need to have a love that's based on Christ and who He is. Now, protect what you know. Protect what you know. Don't, don't be led astray by these diverse and strange teachings. How many of y'all notice that there's a lot of opinions in this world today? A lot of people want to build their theology on a meme. <laughs> That's dangerous. I, I saw the other day somebody had posted a verse, and a, I know I'm a preacher, but a virtually a pornographic picture about the body, about the armor of God. And I, I, I'm like, oh, what, what? You see all kinds of stuff on Facebook, right? What? Wait, what? What? You're using scripture, and then you got this picture of like a girl in scantily clad clothes, and like, like 
like a meshy, like the like the the chain mail that they used to wear underneath the armor. That's what that's all she had on. I know it wasn't like super, but really, I'm like, really. You call yourself a believer? I think you're. I think you're probably diving into some diverse and strange teachings if you think that's okay. Whenever we begin to okay sin in our lives, and understand when I say love people, I don't mean you have to okay their sins and say I agree with you. That's different. You just love them. You you realize people in sin can be redeemed, right? And we're never going to see anybody redeemed if we're consistently hating people. We're consistently kicking people when they're down. We must be a people who, who lift them up. I met with a guy this week, um, and I meet with a lot of people. I walk into the room, you know, I sit down, I say, hey, my name's Daniel. Uh, my job, I just check on people, make sure they're getting all the care they need. And usually if I'm in there, though, it's because they're having issues with anxiety, depression, things like that, suicide. Um, they're having suicidal ideation, something like that. I'm going in there just to visit with them. And I, but I don't just go in there and I say, hey, you're about to kill yourself, huh? I don't, that's not how I approach it, right? But I go in there, and there's this guy, he had some really bad anxieties and stuff, and, and I go in there, and I, was, you know, I give the little spiel, hey, you know, we do, we do optometry and dentistry, and, you know, you know about the medical side here, but uh, I know she had some, some anxieties. I, I said, what's making you anxious right now? And he says, this. <laughs> I like, yeah. Well, let me backtrack a little bit here. This guy was probably about 6'4". He had, you know, big sleeves, tattoo sleeves on, you know. Um, you walk into the room, he's got like this big hat, he's got glasses on, and he's got his mask. So, I mean, he looks like the Unabomber in person, you know. And he, he and I, I look at him, I'm like, I can't read his, like, his reaction here, but all I get is this is making me nervous. I said, what do you deal with? And he says, well, he says, I have really bad migraines, and the migraines make me want to hurt people. Oh, okay. I'm just gonna exit stage left now because I, I really don't want to be in this room with this guy that's anxious already. And he says when he's anxious, he likes to hurt people. But a lot of times, you know, we would enter a situation like that and we just say, "Well, I can't help that person." Well, I tried to, you know, come all the way around and just to talk in different ways to him so I could, you know, get him some help that he needs. And I find one of the things he talked about. He just said he really just had a lot of fear in his life. We were able to talk about fear. I tell you that story because I think a lot of times we have these opportunities to visit with people and maybe fear overtakes us. Or maybe we look at them and we say, well, he looks like the Unabomber. I can't talk to him. <laughs> we look at people and we say, well, they're the wrong skin color. Are they, you know, they support BLM. They, they support uh, All Lives Matter. They support, you know what I mean? They're, they're Republican. They're Democrat. I can't talk with them. It's interesting in our world how, how divided we've become. A couple weeks ago, I, I made a statement that, hey, yeah, all, black lives matter. They do. Can a Christian really say black lives don't matter? Now, there's a distinction. I, I, I shared and I read an article this week about, it was from a, a black pastor friend of mine. And he wrote about that there's a big difference between black lives matter as a statement and black lives matter as a movement. Now, there is definitely, and I've read into it, even led me down a, a path. I was reading some, some, of the, <laughs> some of their materials and what they believe, and just because I want to know what they believe as people. There's a difference. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of my friends who, who are black. And they, they, they tell me, they're like, hey, yeah, we, we think it's time that people be treated equally. Can any Christian disagree with that? 
But yet, you know what I'm seeing in America today, particularly from white America, is that if you even put that, I mean, I, I was literally, I put that uh, uh, something up. I don't even remember what it was about now because I've just tried to forget because it's kind of hurtful. But from people I love and know, I put something up and they said, well, you must be a member of Antifa, Daniel. You must be, another one I got, you must be a Marxist. I've read up on both of those. I'm not either one. <laughs> I'll tell you what I am, though. I'm, I'm a Hebrews 13. This says I need to love all people at all times. I need to continue in that love. Do all lives matter? Yep. But when I say black lives matter, I'm not discounting the fact. I'm just pulling, pointing out that there's been some real inequalities in the way we treat certain people in the United States of America. That's loving all people. And as we are coming together in this house today, understand I'm not talking politics this morning. If you think I'm talking politics, I am not. What I am talking is that we're commanded to love all people. Quit being led astray by diverse teachings. What are some of these diverse and strange teachings? I'm sure the writer here, there were some specifics that he was really talking to them about. When he wrote this to these, these people, he, he wrote diverse and strange teachings, and they knew exactly what he was talking about. But I think even today, we find ourselves falling under these weird political statements or these weird political leanings. Church, we're not called to be right or left. We're called to be followers of Christ. And if your life is not ruled by the love of Christ, then it's, it's ruled by the wrong things. It's ruled by the wrong things. And I pray that as a church that, that we are able to, to seek God in that way. That we're able to seek Him in that way. That, that we're just continuing in the love that He started in us. Have we forgotten that Christ died upon the cross for us? Do you remember what it was like when you first come to know Jesus? Do you remember that, that feeling that, that, you were, that something mattered, that, that someone loved you, that someone cared about you? You need to love your neighbor in that same way. You need to love the neighbor in that same way. So today as we go from this place, I pray that we that we're on fire for Christ, that we will go forth. That we'll go forth from this place and we'll, we'll love people. We'll continue in the love that, that Christ has started in us. Aren't those good words? That's what America needs. That's what our church needs. That's how we're going to get through this as a church. And this is how America will ultimately, if we survive, this is how we will survive. It's when we all come back together and we love each other. And we give glory to God. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Thank you, Father, for your words. God, I pray that these, these, uh, these words that we hear overall are not Daniel's words. I pray that, that people will hear your word because that's how our faith grows. God, I, I, I know that politics is not our calling. Thank you that you have given us the opportunity to be people who can vote. Lord, I pray that we don't use social media to distance ourselves from people, but rather may we use it to draw people closer to you. May all things that we do, all things that we say bring you glory. 